Hello and welcome to Game and Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we have a fun episode for you guys, a fun topic for spoopy season. Uh, today we're going to be talking about tropes, specifically horror movie tropes. Yeah. Um, James, I don't know about you, but for some reason, as I was thinking about this topic, I feel like horror movies specifically have like more tropes or are tropier than other genres. What do you think? Yes, this was really weird. There's a little bit amorphous at times. There were things that I wrote down. I wrote down like a ton. I wrote down like a list of ones I love, which some I hate. I'm not going to go through absolutely every single one of them. But when I would write some of them down, and then when I looked others up to see if they were actually that other people viewed them as tropes, there are things that could be in other genres of film. But I feel like I most commonly see them in horror. And I'll, yeah. I'll give an example of one of them later as one that I actually, I mean, maybe, okay, I'll just use this one as an example right now. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a really heavy hitter. <laughs> so okay, starting please. it off on like a weird note, um, very often in horror and other genres, but again, prominently in horror, you will see, and this is a trope I do not like, uh, rape or sexual trauma driving a female protagonist. Mm, yeah. I, I really don't like that. And it's but that's I would call that a horror movie trope. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, there's a whole like subgenre of that. In, in yeah, horror. but you're right, though, to point out that it's not exclusive to horror. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. And that actually also might be an example of like uh, something that exists as a trope, but also kind of exists as a subgenre of horror. And I think that we we will attempt to. But I mean, we can have this dialogue as we go through ours, but. We don't want to confuse trope with like our favorite subgenres of horrors because of right. uh, horror because I there were a couple I list I listed and then I went I, I googled them and and some people said yeah this is a trope but I'm like this is also kind of a subgenre but it's not even like a subgenre it's like a sub subgenre I'll list I'll give you another example of one this is just me just get what finding get a way out of your to, system, to get some yeah. of the other ones out of my system this wasn't on my like final list but like an abandoned hospital. That that's kind of a that's a very specific horror movie trope, but like or just an abandoned building, an abandoned house, an ab abandoned you know that kind of thing. I would say that's a trope, but like you could argue that like an abandoned hospital is almost like a sub 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 genre of horror. Kind of like uh, Into the Void, right? Is a little bit an abandoned hospital. Yeah, or or in gaming, like the the game Dementium, the ward is like it yeah. takes place entirely in a hospital. So yeah, yeah. that classic Dementium, the ward. <laughs> hey, you know what? I um... played that game <laughs> when it came out on DS. So and it's um, on Switch now. It is. I saw that. What yeah. what we're also not going to do is uh, treat whole genres as tropes because i was reading some lists and they have one of them had possession as a trope yeah no no no. possession is a genre yeah that horror. is that's a that's a genre yeah. for sure I, I i do think and i i didn't like go through these with like a fine tooth comb like they're feel free to call me out i have backup so if you think that i'm bordering too much on a subgenre of horror please feel free to tell me and i will change um what we'll i say do. and and vice versa okay Will do. Um, should we start off? Yeah, let's jump in. What's one of yours? Um, I'm going to take this one up at the top because I have a feeling it's on both of our lists. Okay. Um, and just get it out of the way. Um, the Last Girl. 
okay. So I have that as like an honorable mention. Um, I'm, I was going to mention it really only if you didn't mention it. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So uh, if you guys don't know, so for each trope, we'll kind of explain what it is. Um, the last girl is the idea that of a group of people in a horror film, uh, there will be one final survivor and almost always that survivor is female. And so therefore they're called the last girl or the typically, final girl or the final girl. Typically the final girl will be the one that um, does away with the malevolent force or somehow overcomes it. Um, very rarely, unless uh, there's like a twist at the end, which we'll perhaps get to. Um, the last girl or the final girl typically is the only survivor. Yeah. And most of the time, and I think my preference is when it's, they're the survivor, not just because they happen to survive, but they also generally seem to be the most intelligent person in the movie. Um, a great example is Ripley and one of my favorite examples is Ripley and alien. Um, she is like definitely the smartest person on that ship. And when you rewatch you can really tell based on some of the things that she's saying, uh, the way that she questions authority in the right ways that she questions. Um, what's his name? Ash. Yes. It, it's yeah. She's a very good example of that. Yeah. I love that one. Um, what is one of yours? Um, the mirror. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to say more generally, like they, they sometimes people refer to it as like the, the bathroom mirror, but it's more of like the general trope that one second something isn't there and the next something like you, you kind of cut away or pan away and then cut back and something is suddenly way like behind you in the mirror or in front of you. You know, like you, you know, you're looking down a long hallway and you see some hear some shuffling or a shadow in the, like far in the distance. And then like the person takes like just a moment's breath, goes back behind cover and then peers back out again and something is directly in front of them, like almost un, like supernaturally fast. Yeah, and it's fun for the audience because it's it's like a form of dramatic irony, right? Yes. Um, we kind of see something through the mirror sometimes that the character doesn't. Um, or it's it mixed in with can uh, kind of be like a jump scare as well. Well, well so I, I'm thinking more of the jump scare situation, but you bring up a really good point. Maybe I'll just like, I think I can transition to another one of mine by you yeah. saying that. Because Please. I like, and this is this is kind of, this is where I, where I was going when I was saying a little amorphous. So I was referring specifically to like one second, something's there. The next something, uh, ne- sorry, next, su- next second, something is there to, as like a way of shocking both the character in the scene or characters and the audience. The oh, other, ex- the other example, and I'm just going to just call this like, it's kind of like a catch all. It's like static shots with like no music where you're kind of like letting the audience stew in discomfort where they know something is wrong. There's no music to cue it up, which is in contrast with the trope I don't like, which is like creepy music leading up to a scary moment. Creepy strings music almost always. Almost always. See, I'm just like finding ways to fit in other tropes, (laughs) even though we said we were going to limit this. Um, But like, I, I love that kind of like, we see something behind someone or in the room of someone, or we see something going on, but there's no music to cue it. And oftentimes it's accompanied by like a static shot that kind of lets, yeah, it just lets the audience like, sit in like an air of discomfort um and and tension and i I love that when it's done well it is masterful um i'm thinking hereditary it's a perfect example immediately yeah Uh, there's also like a really i don't know if this is like the best way the best example of it but it's like a there's a static shot in the exorcist 3 
of just like a hallway and just different things happen in the hallway for like a long period of time. And you're just kind of waiting for something to go wrong. And actually nothing does within that shot. But suddenly when you least expect it, once you've kind of, you've been fully disarmed, the camera zooms, does like a fast zoom. And a character comes out of like a corner and just with like a knife and just like right behind another character and kills them. And it, it is cued with like a shock, but like I'm okay with, uh, with with music, but that's okay because they spent so much time showing us nothing with that static shot and just people going about their general business in a, in a hospital that it earns that moment. Okay. I, I so see spoiler for Exorcist 3. If you... Yeah, I have not seen Exorcist 3, so I'll know when there's a hallway <laughs> shot. Nothing's going to happen I, until I bet, someone I bet gets. you still won't know when it's going to happen, though. It'll still it'll still be effective. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. What about another one? Um, so another one is there is frequently in uh, certain types of horror movies either a priest or a psychic or a medium that kind of has all the answers that the main character is looking for. Okay. Very typically they're older, they're wiser. um, And they very typically will also die. Yes. um, By the malevolent force. Yeah. Uh, So while not a psychic, someone like a Loomis character, right. Falls into this and Loomis, because it's not a supernatural horror, right. It's a more physical down to earth horror. But on things like, you know, Annabeth or the nun or things like that, it's going to be typically pre-psychics who have this this knowledge of the evil. Yeah. And this is a good example of one that I I think I would say I most often don't like it, but done well, I can like it. Like there are there are definitely there's definitely like a lot of these tropes where like some of them are overdone and they're just very annoying. But every once in a while, if they're just. I, it, it kind of just takes the right movie if they're done in like a way that either sat satirizes the trope itself or if they just kind of if it's a cheesy movie, sometimes it lands better than if it's a movie that's taking itself seriously and, and utilizes that trope. I think a good example of that one <laughs> here we go again is uh, one that didn't make my list is like uh, a girl running and falling. Um, OK, that that was on my list. The Phantom Trip. Oh, Phantom Trip. I'm sorry. Well, let's talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about the Phantom Trip? I, I generally don't like it, but no. every once in a while it cracks me up. Um, and like, for the exact reasons I said, like sometimes it's just like it's, sat- it's satire in a way. And other times it's just like a cheesy movie. But like if it's a very serious horror movie, I unless they really sell me on it. I'm I generally I'm like, come yeah. on. Yeah, no. Um, going back to what we were saying about um kind of the psychic and how you were saying when it subverts that genre kind of yeah. works. Um, something like drag me to hell, right? Yeah. Where they that kind of works when they go to like a psychic slash gypsy in that movie's case character, the tone of drag me to hell like invites that kind of character. I feel yes. Like. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else have you got? So I've got like two Eldritch Horror themed ones, and this is where I might need you to kind of tell me if I'm if I'm getting too close to like subgenre of horror. So the first of them is the idea of going mad from a shocking revelation. And it's not strictly Eldritch, but it's very rooted in that. Like it's usually like a villain seeing some sort of Eldritch horror like someone becoming a villain after either on screen or off screen. I actually kind of prefer when it happens off screen. Um, 
losing their mind and kind of going insane, becoming evil and maybe driving the evil of the movie based on the fact that they've come to some horrible realization about our universe, about some existence of a supernatural horror of a cosmic horror of a like demonic horror. Any of those things can just drive someone losing their minds completely. Yeah, I don't think it steps on subgenre because it could also be something more grounded, like watching your family be murdered, right? right? Which happens. You yeah, know, it could be something very concrete like that. Exactly. So, um, no, I love that too. Um, I love the idea that knowledge can be your enemy. Yes. Uh, because so often we're taught and trained that, like, we need knowledge, we seek knowledge. Knowledge is our friend, it empowers yes. us. Where horror is very much about having our power stripped away and that feeling of powerlessness. Absolutely. And that's this is one of my absolute favorite tropes. I, I feel like I don't it doesn't happen enough. And or maybe I just am I don't know if there's just a lack of eldritch horror in in modern and horror and also like in in, in the past. But I don't know. There's just not there's not enough of this. Like I want more of like the void stuff. Just that yeah, that really yeah. tickles me and I and I need more of it in my life. If there was one word I would use to describe the movie The Void, it's ticklish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Do we talk enough about the Phantom Trip or or, or not? No, it's I don't like it. I think it's stupid. I've never really seen it pulled off in a way where I buy it. Yeah. Um, Like if there's a movie with like a character that's, you know, Chekhov's clumsy trip then maybe but i i can't think of an example of like oh you know john is such a klutz right john is running from a horror and trips under like like, yeah and under that exact same umbrella is the kind is like where someone's trying to like accomplish a task as a threat very slowly approaches them like trying to loosen like a binding or like it usually happens after you've tripped like you're trying to pull your foot from like a there's always a loose like vine or like (laughs) or roots or roots and like you know, or just trying to like get a, someone struggling with a key in the door or something like that. You know, that while that actually probably would like just give me a heart attack if it were to happen in real life um, in a horror movie, I kind of just roll my eyes. Going along with that. And I didn't even have this written down, but now that we're talking about it, it makes me think of it. Um, a trope that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't is the well, I'm just going to say the horror or the malevolent force, whatever it might be. OK, Um, always walks. Yeah, uh, never runs. And I think some movies, it would be more effective if like the malevolent force actually ran like a normal person would if they were chasing someone. Yes, yes. I can't think of like a spot on example, but there is something kind of terrifying. And, and it's not some movies don't even do like walk or run. They don't. It's more like they always just happen to be where Close you don't by. want them to be. And that is kind of scary to me. Like the the inability to judge their speed is probably scarier than both walk or run. Yeah, I would say that's fair. And then, yeah, depending on what it is, I mean, maybe the running is often like scarier. But remember what like when like 20, like the Dawn of the Dead remake came out and like and 20 days later came out and they were like, how about running zombies? And we were all like, eh. I mean, I, I, I was I, into the running zombies. I mean, I, I like both of those movies, to be clear, but I, it didn't like make it more horrifying to me. I see. I see. I think more like the the just the notion of like what like the the the, the um threat of zombies is still scary, whether they're walking or running to me, even though I guess I mean, obviously running is way more terrifying, like objectively, like you're in more of a threat, I suppose. But 
it like it just didn't elevate the horror for me. I see. Yeah. Um, another one I have, and I think you'll like this one, is a family, an entire family, or just the parents have a very dark secret. Okay. Yeah. Love it. This Love and it. The, actually, I couldn't think of like the best. I mean, I guess Get Out is a good example of it. Um, yeah. but I would just get thinking of goosebumps. <laughs> so many times the, the parents oh, yes. have like a dark secret. Yes. Um, like how to kill a monster with the grandparents. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. So um, or vampire breath. Or vampire breath, where they were yep. actually werewolves. Spoiler for vampire breath. Were they vampires? No, they were werewolves. Oh, um, of course. Why would I yeah. doubt you? I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. Um, mine, my next one. Are we ready to move on to the next? One? Yeah, of course. Uh, my next one is the vanishing body. Uh, explain so, that one to me. I don't know if I heard that term. Yeah. So, I mean, I made up these terms myself. Oh, you um, did. So, for the vanishing body, it's where, like, let's say, for like, I'm thinking of Scream Two. Um, for like, as oh, an would you so, say vanishing? Vanishing. Oh, I yeah. thought you said banishing. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. What? <laughs> the vanishing body. Okay, then so, I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah. About. So you know, let's say the villain gets hit by a car. They think he's dead. They check on him. They walk away, and the camera pans over, and the body is gone. Right. That happens yeah. constantly. Um, again, this is a trope that when it works well, I think it works well, but it can also be overused and really stupid um, and very contrived. What do you think? Um, yes, I, I would say I generally don't like this one. I- it like uh, going along with the villain appearing kind of where he needs to. It's it's one of those tropes that like stretches believability which in some films is fine, like Scream 2, like Scream 2 is very heightened. But in other films, like, I can't imagine them pulling this and say hereditary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. What else you got? Um, so I, I'm, I'm almost like second guessing this one a little bit. I mean, I, I love it, but I actually can't really think of the best example. And this is more of like a something I like about it's less like horror movie tropes. Sometimes it's also, I feel like it happens in video games a lot and, and it's, it's um, impossible spaces often referred to as Eldritch spaces. Okay. That is, yeah, that is something we do not see enough of. We need so many more Eldritch impossible spaces. Yeah. And just to explain what that is, it's, 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 I mean, it could be a large amount of things. It could be like you open a door and the entire room is upside down. It could be a staircase that leads nowhere. It could be where like it definitely should. And there's no other explanation for it. You know, it could be a oh, speaking of staircases. It could be a staircase that leads down and just down and down and down and down and down and never stops. It could be an elevator uh, on a 30th, uh, 30 floor building that suddenly starts going to the 50th floor. You know, like it is it, it taps into horror of the unknown and just and- the, the binding of or the, the, the sorry, the breaking of our reality. It's almost not even the unknown. It's like the uncanny. Um, Like it's these things that these spaces and these things that should be familiar to us. And yet somehow now they're not. Right. Yeah. Yep. I I've, I've kind of like hit all of the one I have others written down, but I I have kind of hit on all the main ones I wanted to hit on. How about you? Uh, I've hit on most of them. There's there's a couple. We can just mix honorable mentions in. Let's just do them all, right? Yeah, I mean, we weren't ranking these to begin with. Let's just keep going. So what's your next one? Um, The if we're talking about possession, this is strictly possession films, but it's a it's a trope that frequently is in possession films. Um, The possessed person is always an innocent. 
they're always an innocent yeah. person, a child, someone kind, someone nice. And give me like, and I understand the purpose of that, right? To subvert their character and to, you know, show the depravity of the possessing force. But give me a possession movie where they possess like a serial killer, like essentially like carnage. <laughs> give me like the carnage <laughs> of possession movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's something I feel like that almost starts that not completely, but that's almost starts to take it out of the realm of horror for me. Then it just becomes. I don't know. I, I don't know why that's like less scary to me. It's less upsetting when it, when it's an innocent. I, I get what you're saying, though. Like sometimes that's just it's just done to death. But. It, it like the, the fact that an innocent is threatened. It makes it feel like, oh, that could be me. Or that could be someone yeah, I love. True. And that creates more horror than like, oh, this guy's already a serial killer. He's already fucked up. I mean, but it makes more logical sense for an evil demonic entity. Well, maybe not. Like it possesses, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the the douchebag guy. The, the bully. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But like, and, and so that so that kind of that kind of works. But like, I guess, I mean, but oftentimes like the, the explanation is that like, demons want to scare us more and they want to threaten our our security more which is which they can do by possessing some of the kindest people in humanity which is what's keeping me safe from possession because i am a real dick yeah you're a real bastard (laughs) yeah um what else you got um the crazy girl uh, the 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 girl that no one believes, and this is all often coupled with the sexual trauma one, but not always. Um, but the the idea that like nobody believes what the girl is saying, and it's like all in their head. And what's what's I mean, I'm gonna say it's funny about this one. It's not really that funny. It's like it's rooted in such a deep seated like misogynistic yeah. and patriarchal like you know like women every day like are told by doctors. That they're, they, you know, they're, they're saying, I think something's wrong. I think something's wrong with my body. And doctors just kind of like shrug them off because for so long, we've just like said women are be are overreacting or not like, good at diagnosing themselves. And like, it's just something that doesn't happen as much with men. And to see it in a movie, I, I don't know. It just, it's never done it for me. And by the way, I, this is not for you, but for anyone else, like, I'm not coming at this from like a, Oh, I've changed my views on horror. I've never liked that shit. I've never liked that. I've never liked sexual trauma driving female protagonists. It's always no. bit rubbed me the wrong way. This is not a changing of the times. It's always fucked up. It's always stupid. So I do think there are some good movies that have those elements for sure. But I, you know, I just don't, I don't love them. Yeah. I think the only way to pull this off is if, um, the crazy girl character gets a satisfying redemption. And, and part of that is the people calling her crazy have to kind of fully turn around and see how they were wrong and admit they were wrong. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't always happen with that trope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, this is not a new observation. I did not make this up. Okay. Um, but the idea that if characters have sex, uh, they'll probably be murdered later. I get, yeah, I didn't even think to write that one down. But that's a good one. Yeah, that's like a very especially 80s slasher horror. Um, yeah, that's that's that was big then. 
Yeah. And um, I actually saw like a think piece or maybe it was on YouTube or I read it, oh. but that a lot of that came out of like maybe subconsciously like the AIDS crisis and like a fear of sex uh, in the 70s and 80s. Interesting. Um, but I mean, who knows if the collective unconsciousness manifested that or or not? Maybe we can but, do a deeper dive on that if we ever do some 80s slashers. Well, I think yeah. we have, but not not in like some of the most classic ones. Yeah, but it's it's usually also uh, teenagers. Typically, it's teenagers who have sex, typically outside of any kind of marriage, um, and then later they will be murdered. And yeah. very frequently, the final girl, to connect back to that one, very frequently the final girl will be propositioned uh, and turned down that person. Yes. Uh, and sometimes the final girl will end up with a guy, but only um, if she's kind of like held off before. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have three more on my list that I could rattle up pretty quickly. I, I mean, I also, I also have three more. So one of them is just let's split up. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I, I think I might be numb to it now. It used to bother me more. And now it just happens sometimes. And either I don't notice it or I just don't care because it's such an it's such an eye roll. Unless I, I give a. It very compelling reason for why like right. let's it's not a horror film but like let's think about Jurassic Park right they split yeah. up there they split up there for very logical reasons right like certain characters need to do certain things so that they can be safe and so that on a meta sense the plot can move forward right um in horror movies they just split up f- frequently um just seemingly because yeah like or like let's cover more ground so we can Which... find our missing friend safety in numbers guys right i mean like that like that that makes more sense like splitting up when you're already aware of the threat is different than splitting up when you don't know what's going on yet like it makes more yeah. a little more sense to split up like i mean we know we roll our eyes at it because like we are we know, we know we're watching a horror movie and you shouldn't split up in this house but they've no if they have no reason to fear the house splitting up is not that illogical if you're like looking yeah, for somebody you know so uh, this one is like really, really like I, I couldn't even think of an example of it, but like I guess it kind of exists in other movies too. It's <laughs> ineffective barricades. Oh yeah, which again sometimes used well. Like you know, I I kind of love in a horror movie where uh you know like think Evil Dead too or something like that, where it's like a very scrappy kind of horror and they have to kind of like piecemeal things together and you know it's not going to hold. Um, that I think works, but other times it's like, oh, the evil just broke through because it can. Yeah. And like, and sometimes like, it's, it's just like you put a table in front of the door and like the killer blasts their hand through and like with their knife and they're just kind of like waving their arm around at that point. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I think like, I think scary movie makes fun of that too, but I'm, I'm sure it does, but it's been forever since I've seen that. Yeah. 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 Um, the last one I had is the, and this isn't this isn't horror specific always, but like it's the the obvious red herring, like the the making like it's often in like a slasher where it's like where you don't know who the killer is, is to like make you to really the movie goes all out to make you to to do misdirection and it's like really transparent, where they're like yeah. making someone and, and like again like this exists in this I mean it's made fun of in non horror movies like Hot Fuzz where it like makes uh, Simon Skinner look like the like a bad guy the whole time I mean he get he is but like. It's not really the full, the, the full, guy. the full bad, bad guy. But, you know, like that, that kind of like obvious, um, it, it's, it's, it's honestly very common in whodunits, but 
I, I it's in horror too, and it's just like or just very obvious red herrings in, in general. Not not really a fan of that. Yeah. So um I have three left and two kind of go together. Uh the first one though doesn't. Uh I just noticed that a lot of horror movies, if they're going to take place at a certain time of year, almost overwhelmingly take place during spoopy season. Um yeah. during autumn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, Halloween, Halloween time, those movies are getting released around Halloween. Um, mm. But like, I'm trying to remember, like, I guess 30 days of night, right. Is a winter yeah. horror film. Yep. Um, like midsummer is a summer horror film. Um, and then I'm sure there's a spring horror film that I just am not thinking of right now. Probably. But very, fre- very frequently in autumn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the last two kind of go together. Um, the evil, this trope, the evil isn't dead when it appears to be dead. Oh, I completely forgot about that one. That's another one I generally don't like. Uh, it also shows up in anime quite a lot, right? (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) It's just like a character X is defeated. No, wait, they're not. No, absolutely. Good guy or bad guy. Yeah. Um, and then going along with that, um, the final scare at the end, right? Which we yeah. famously just covered in the classic Night Killer, right? <laughs> that final scare made no fucking sense at all. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, again, can be used poorly. And right. I would argue is more often used poorly than not. Oh, definitely. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's another great example. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so it's also Goosebumps frequently does that. <laughs> Every damn book. Every basically. single one. Um, yeah. Do we, do we remember the, the final horror in Chicken Chicken? Uh, no, I don't. What um, the the evil witch character whispers, "Piggy, piggy." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're not doing in books we've been reading, but we maybe we should just do an episode oh, on man. Chicken Chicken. Yeah, I think we have to. Yeah. Speaking of what, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been seeing stuff at the Chicago Film Festival. Very excited um, about the stuff I've seen and excited about the stuff I'm going to see um, tomorrow. Uh, so I, f- I forgot when we recorded last time, I, if I mentioned, I saw The Boy and the Heron, um, which I very yes. much enjoyed. I saw American Fiction uh, comedy. Uh, I thought that won like the Audience Award coming out of Toronto Film Festival. I liked it. I didn't love it. And then I saw The Zone of Interest, which is, I can't say I recommend it. Um, I thought it was very good. Not a movie I really plan to rewatch. It is is about the real-life family of a Nazi commandant who lived literally next to Auschwitz. And you never see anything that actually happens in the camp. But the the horror from that, it's not really a horror movie, but it's kind of really, really chilling how their family is able to conduct their lives just drowning out the very, very faint sounds of like gunfire and screams. And it's just, it's really unsettling. Yeah. I can see that, but well made. Uh, yeah. And really no video game playing. How about you? Uh, Edgar and I watch reptile, which is, a Oh, Netflix is that good? Film. Yeah. Uh, uh, eh, it's, it's fine. Um, I will say the acting is quite good. Justin Timberlake is better than uh, he's been in other films that I've seen him in. Benicio del Toro frequently will Benicio del Toro all over the place. Uh, and what I mean by that is as he does he, overacts. No, like acts like Benicio del Toro. You uh, mean like in, in the last Jedi? Yeah. Just like that. Like and he's it, just Benicio del Toro. I mean, he does that in like, like usual. Sus- I feel like there's Benicio del Toro and then there's Benicio del Toro's one form of like exaggerating uh, or like being a caricature. And he does it in like, in usual suspects and last Jedi. 
I will say though, um, his acting is great in this, and oh. he plays not Benicio del Toro. He plays uh, like a, a character, and he embodies that character. Good. So, um, in terms of like character work and acting, I, I think it's pretty good. In terms of the script, the script was like kind of weak. Ah, um, not, bummer. Not the best. Um, and then uh, Edgar and I have been watching Goosebumps uh, on Hulu slash Disney. How Plus. is it? Uh, it's they're going for like a Riverdale meets Stranger Things vibe with it that I'm not sold on. Isn't that kind yet. of the vibe of Goosebumps though? Not the books. The books are like for ten year olds. <laughs> like it's, it's oh like I, yeah. I guess I it, it seems like a, just a slightly tuned up adult version of like the Goosebumps TV show. The, I, I guess no, it's not like that at all. Oh, it's okay. like it's, gotcha. it's heavily Riverdale inspired, um, which the books were not. The books were like Stranger Things, but Stranger Things dumbed way down. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then video games, uh, I'm debating on whether getting uh, Super Mario Wonder or not. Uh, I know you. Uh, I'll let you know. Up. Yeah, let me know how you are feeling about it. Yeah, I, I might not get to play it till Sunday um, well, after, after we go to the toy fair. Don't be a Grinch about it. I sure won't. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, fuck off, John Malkovich. <laughs>